Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I, I really feel that I'm on a divine assignment to share a message with you that I believe is very prophetic in nature. I believe it's very much the timing of God to reveal this. And as you know, that there's, we're in the series called, and there was great joy in the city, right? And so part of great joy in the city, we've got to look at, number one, we as the people of God, we're called to bring joy everywhere we go. In other words, you are God's agent of joy. And the question is, is are you carrying the joy that God has intended for you to carry? And what I believe that God, that there's a spirit that would try to assault the joy being in operation in your life. And I call that spirit a creeper. So the title of this message today is called Creepers Exposing the Religious Spirit creepers exposing the religious spirit. And there's nothing more that will crush joy than a religious spirit. Now you may be thinking, well, hey, uh, I'm in awakened church. How in the world can a a religious uh, spirit affect me? I'm glad that you asked. Because the truth is, is that that is a spirit that, you know, here's the thing, the enemy, if he cannot stop you from following Jesus, he's going to try everything he can to squash the life of God. God out of you. And he's going to try to assign spirits that would actually prevent the work of God from moving forward in your life. So I was very moved several years ago uh, watching a very dear friend of mine. In fact, we went to Bible school together and she loved God with all of her heart. That's like many of us in this room that we've made a commitment that we're, there's many emerged men in this room and there's cherished women in this room. Is that right? Am I talking to the right crowd? Yeah, all right, all right. Right, there's many of us in the room, and, and, and we want to do the right thing, and she was in that same place. We went to Bible school together with all the things, but because of brokenness that was in her own life, she began to uh, get trapped, if you will, into a, a works mindset. And she began to, you know, because sometimes how do you know that it's, there, there's a difference, actually, and this is my theme of the year, so this is a message I'm preaching to myself, is there's a difference of living for God versus living from God. So you can either live from God, which means living from his presence, or we get stuck into living for him and living in a place of just trying to perform and do things right. But the problem with that, friends, is that when we do those things, then we end up in a religious rut thinking we know we're going in the right way. And we're missing out on the life of God that he actually has for us. And this was the very thing that happened with my friend. And unfortunately, the the religious spirit became so strong that, friends, she would fast until hospitalization multiple times because she just didn't know she was so under this oppressive spirit that she would end up in the hospital time and time and time again. And unfortunately, I'm so sad to have to share the story that it ended up destroying her life where she is no longer living today. And, And it really affected me. 
It really was just like, man, we broke bread together. We, we, we fellowship together. We laughed together. We went to Bible school together. How in the world does this happen? And what happened is she got stuck in a place of thinking that she was in a relationship with God, but she was just in a serving of God. So she thought her serving brought relationship, but how many know relationship comes through heart? And we must be connected in the heart. And it's interesting to note that Jesus was only angry at one type of people, and that was the religious people. Did you notice that? He didn't go off on anyone else. He wasn't upset on someone who committed adultery. He wasn't upset with anyone that was caught up in any sort of sin. He was only upset with the religious people who carried religious spirits. And why is that? That is because they misrepresent God. That is not the heart of our Father. The heart of our Father is to bring us into relationship. The heart of our Father is to bring us into connection, to bring us into restoration. So it doesn't matter where, how far you've come from, God has a destiny that is great for you tonight, friends. Amen. Come on. Come on. That's right. You know, and, and, and you see the religious leaders that they would criticize and they would complain when Jesus was in the synagogue. Do you remember the woman who was bent over for 18 years? I mean, think about it. She was completely bent over and her worldview was her head between her legs trying to connect with people. Can you imagine the agony, the shame, the pain, all the things that she went through? And in that moment, Jesus was, the Bible says he was moved with compassion for her and his compassion set the woman free of that spirit of infirmity. And then how did the religious leaders respond? They were furious. They were furious. So what, what do we see? It's not the people. We're not after, tonight I'm not after a single person, but I am after a demonic spirit that is a religious spirit that would try to short, shortcut the life of God. Right, because that's what it does. It criticizes and it complains about the things of God. Why? Because its ultimate goal is to shut down the supernatural. It's to shut down the operations of the church. And we've got, how many know that that's not what Jesus came for? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, right? Jesus came to release the supernatural. So you, friends, you are supernatural beings. You are meant to live a supernatural life. You are meant to live filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's not just for those, myself or anyone else that stands in the pulpit, but that's each and every one of us. We are called to live a supernatural life. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are supernatural. So Jesus, basically in response, he says, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Look, I'm going to keep driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day until I reach my goal. Isn't that a good, if you need a goal statement, come on, you can, you can grab that goal statement tonight. And how many know at Awaken Church, we are called to destroy the works of the devil. How many people want to destroy the works of the devil? Come on. And that includes the religious spirit, friends. We are going after it tonight. We're going to get out of being stuck and into breaking out into fresh encounters with God. And that starts with, I, every time I approach God, I must seek a fresh encounter with heaven. 
Now, what I want to do is expose what's, what's the voice or what's the activity of a religious spirit. Can we do that? So you can, you can look and see, is, is this you? Does this pertain to you? The first voice of, of a religious spirit is the voice of condemnation. So when I got saved, many of you may or may not know my testimony, but I, I got saved when I was eight years old, and then I backslid, and I did all the things that you're not supposed to do right? When you're not walking with God. This is what, this is just how I lived my life. And then all of a sudden I was in a life and death situation. I found myself in a hospital room and I was on the verge of death. And I knew that if I died in that moment, I knew that I would die and I would go to hell. And how many of you know, that's called a reality check. When I'm in the hospital room, and I remember thinking to myself, see, because when I was a kid, I made a foolish statement. I thought, oh, God, you're just so boring. I'm going to go out and have fun. But before, I, before I'm like really, really old and about ready to die, I'll grab you because I don't want to go to hell. Right? Like I had enough reality to say I don't want to go to hell, but I had too much stupidity to want to do all the stupid things. Wow. Right? So all of a sudden, here I am. I'm a young kid because I'm super young now. I'm only 21. So you do the math. <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, I realized my life was being demanded of me. And I thought, oh, God, if you let me live, I swear I'll live for you all the days of my life. Not halfway, but all the way. I'm completely yours. And you know, in that moment, while my heart rate was beating on my chest, I had equipment and all the things, tubes and all the stuff going around everywhere. In that moment, instantaneously, everything changed and I was saved and healed and restored supernaturally. Hallelujah. And in that moment, the doctors came in the room and they're dumbfounded, like, what the heck? Like, who's messing with the equipment? Like, she was about ready to die a few seconds ago. She comes in now, what the heck? They didn't know what to do with me. They sent me home. They gave me some beta blockers and some other medications, like, don't do whatever you just did again. And we don't know what to do with you. But I knew, I knew what happened. So I was so hungry for God, friends, that I went into every church door that I can freaking find. I was like, man, you got a church on Sunday, I'm there. You got a church on Friday, I'm there. You got a church on Thursday night, I'm there. I just went from one church to the next church because I couldn't get enough. But friends, here's, here was the problem. I knew that Jesus saved me, but I didn't know if he had forgiven me. So I lived with the weight of condemnation for the B-A-D things that I did in my life. How I many you know what, I, what I'm saying? Right? And so and every week, and it, mind you, I went to four churches a week. So I had four altar call opportunities to get my life right and get saved. And how many of you know that each and every week, four times a week, that altar call would ring forward? And guess who was the first one to run up to that altar? Yes, pick me, pick me, pick me. Jesus, will this be the time that I get saved? Will this be the time that I'm, this, this guilt of the shame of the B-A-D things of the past would be removed from me? And each and every time I would walk away with anguish in my heart, feeling that there's no way that God can forgive that B-I-G thing that I did. How do you know what I'm talking about? Right? There's, there's certain things that we know that we're forgiven, and we're glad that we're saved. If you're glad that you're saved, would you lift your hand? Come on now. And if you're not, we, there's an opportunity at the end of this service. Come on. Grab your fire insurance, grab your lordship insurance, grab your freedom insurance, grab a life that is worth living, which is found in Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? So, so what ended up happening was I lived with this because sometimes we, we know that we're, we're saved, but do we know that we're forgiven? 
Is there areas and pockets of our lives that we're, we're, we're tormented with? Like, man, you, you don't know what I did. Well, you don't know what I did. And you don't know how bad it was. And I was so tormented. Six or seven weeks, I would do this four times a week. But God supernaturally encountered me. So you would think, like Shelly, like, what's your problem? Uh, condemnation. It was a religious spirit that was tormenting me, feeling like I could not actually get free. So finally, one day, I was just so just torn up. And I, and I went to this altar, uh, this minister at the altar, and I, and I just was just saying, man, I don't know what to do. I've gone to an altar probably 56 times since I've gotten saved, right? And, and, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm saved this time, but I don't know. And this is the reason why. And she said, honey, the Bible says that Jesus removes your sins as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed it from you. Friends, can I tell you in that moment that it was like scales from my eyes fell and all of a sudden I knew that I knew that I was completely forgiven. I knew that I knew that even that B-A-D things that I did, that it was completely removed from me. All of a sudden, I was lighter. I was freer. I, I was able to actually walk in liberty, walk in freedom. So I'm telling you, and, and, and let me give you a scripture to kind of show basically what was going on with me in Romans, because I know you're all thinking, like, where's her? Is she just going to talk, or is she going to give us some Bible? Got some Bible right here. Romans 8, 15 to 17, and it says this. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's our striving. That's our aim. Amen. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Notice that the religious spirit is also called the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full accepting it, acceptance enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For he rises up within us, and our spirits are joined with him, saying the tender words of affection, beloved father. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is, all that he has. And we experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. So you notice that the spirit of, of, of God is completely contrary to a religious spirit. A religious spirit wants to bind you to, to a, a fear of not being good enough that causes you, just like I did six weeks, 56 altar calls, trying to get saved. And I was locked into this, trying to perform my way into being forgiven. Instead of coming to a place, friends, of recognizing that Jesus has forgiven me. I am free because not of who I am, but because who he is. So I want to remind you tonight, friends, that if there's areas of your life that you're, because you can say, well, no, I'm not condemned, but is there pockets? Is there areas of your life that you're struggling with condemnation? Is there memories of the past that it's hard to shake off? And, and, and this is where the a religious spirit, if you will, is trying to enslave you into feeling like you're never good enough, right? But Jesus came to remove the fear of judgment of not being good enough. 
Jesus came, if you will, to, to us, for us to experience, and, and how do we get over, here, here's a great question, right? How do I get over condemnation? The same way that I did, which was having an intimate encounter with the Lord that actually opened up my eyes to see God for who he truly is. So that becomes a motivation, if you will, of our hearts to say, gosh, I've got to get into his presence. That's what That should motivate us. You want to say like, Shelly, well, how do I come into encounters with God? Every time that you come in the house of God on Wednesdays, on Sundays, come in with an expectation. Come in when you come into worship. Say, give him your whole heart. Don't give him just part. Just say, God, I am here to encounter you. I am here to fellowship with the people around me, but I am also here to encounter you, God. And as I come into a place with wholehearted worship, expect that God, just as he spoke to me on the altar, would speak to you in areas of your life to bring security in who you are. He will affirm your identity in a place of worship. He will remind you when you've forgotten. He will remind you when you've forgotten what's, what's, what, what's going on or what's the purpose or what's the life, uh, what, what's life all about or any of the things that we may question, that he will affirm your identity. He will affirm that he is your provider. Just as Pastor Jeff so brilliantly said that we've got to trust God. And every time I hear a lot of people, all, you know, I minister to people all the time and I hear people say all the time, I just don't know if I can trust God. When then what happens is you get, you get locked into a mode of trying to do something out of a religious duty. And ultimately I don't trust him because I fear that I'm not good enough for him. So I must have an encounter with heaven so that I can actually come out of that. Okay, number two, voice, voice number two. I've got to pick it up here a little bit, but voice number two is this. It's a voice of performance that leads to resentment. Voice of performance that leads to resentment. Well, what's, the, what's a good example of that? Do you remember the prodigal son? Do you remember the older brother in the picture? Do you remember how that, that son just backslid kind of like how I did, ran off and wasted and, and lived a crazy life and all the things until he came to himself? And then he realized, man, this pig slop that I'm eating, it, it's, I'm, not even, I'm not even worthy to be called my father's son anymore, but surely my father will take better care of me than these chumps over here. I'm going to go humble myself and say, Daddy, don't even make me, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore, but I I want to be your slave, so please accept me. And that was his mindset going back home. But how many of you know that God the Father always has a better way? <laughs> Come on. And in that moment, the son comes home and the father has been looking for his son. Friends, I am telling you, your father has been looking for you. And as the father's looking for his son, he sees him afar off and he just lifts off the lid of everything. He says, bring the best goods, bring the best clothes, bring the ring that is a signet of, of, of the family line to being reinstated back into whom he's called to be. He, he said, let's, let's have the biggest party. And that I, I'll tell you friends, will disturb religious spirits like no other. If you, if you like to celebrate, you will see all the religious spirits get agitated from your celebration. So you know what I say, celebrate, 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 celebrate. Come on, come on, celebrate. In fact, we'll do that right after the service, right? And so here's the party's going off, the music's going off, they've, they've killed an entire calf, that's a boatload of beef. 
right? They got all the things that are happening. It is, it is a pumping party. All of a sudden, the older brother is out in, in, in the field, and he hears the noise of a party, and he's like, what the heck is going on here? And so he approaches one of the servants and says, what the heck is going on? He's like, your brother came back, and he, he, he's, he's, no, he's not lost any longer, but he's found. So you should please, you should come in. And verse 28 of, of Luke 13 says this, but he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And in and, 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 and verse 29, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your, your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, may I add, uh, who, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me. All that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and, uh, and, and is now is alive and is lost and uh, who was lost and now is found. So we see that the older brother was resentful because he was locked in a performance mindset. Right? He's like, I did all these things for you. I was never appreciated. You never did a party for me. I was never acknowledged. My brother, the scum, he wasted all your wealth and you're just welcoming him back, giving him the biggest party. Sounds like Jesus to me, friends. <laughs> right? Why? Because he was stuck in a performance mindset. And the problem is if I get stuck in works, much like my friend, then I develop a religious way of thinking or I open myself up to a religious spirit. I have to tell you, as a minister and traveling all over the world, there was a time that I also got stuck in a performance way of thinking. And if I was really honest with you, I would tell you that I didn't really get fully free of a performance mindset until I came to Awaken Church. So thank God for Awaken Church. Thank God that we have pastors Jurgen and Leanne who bucks against a religious spirit, who bucks against performance that says, no, you are first and foremost, you are a son and you are a daughter of God before you do anything for God. I'm telling you, it's transformational. And, and, and the problem is, is that when I'm stuck in a place of trying to perform for God, I, I, I never feel like I'm pleasing him. And then because I'm not pleasing him, then I get resentful, right? I remember feeling just resentful, like, well, how come this one's got the breakthrough? Well, how come this one, you know, got this, you know, a, a blessing that came on them? And I saw, I knew what he did two months ago. God, didn't you see what he did two months ago? Come on, like, I've been faithful, I've been serving you, and I realized God had to check me that you are being like the older brother. Stop carrying a religious mindset and stop carrying a mindset of performance because when you do so, what ends up happening is you become resentful. Become resentful of everyone that's around you. And so, so sometimes you wonder, right, there, there's resentment in our lives, and sometimes we're quick to say, you know what, I just need to forgive. Uh, but more than that, I need to identify where, where am I thinking like an orphan? Where am I thinking like a slave that I actually need to renounce those things? Amen? Because otherwise, we become stuck in a place of striving to be perfect. 
Otherwise, we become, with the religious mindset of performance, I, I become, uh, you know, a, a, there's a lack of trust in God and people. So everything is based on my merit. Everything's based on what I'm doing, right? So I get stuck in this mindset of trying to do, trying to be. And, and, and if you think about it, then you also end up getting stuck in a place of comparison. When you are stuck in performing it only, then all you, you, you have left the resort through is, is to compare yourself against someone else. That's what the Pharisees did. They were full of envy. They were full of, of fault finding. They were focused on appearance. And, and here's the thing that I, I realized, performance with, that leads into resentment, basically it's anger of, of, of either anger or jealousy, if you will, of them not being good enough or them getting away with too much. Either they're not good enough or they're, they're getting away with too much. And now I know, like, listen, this is kind of a heavy message, but bear with me. This is meant to help us get free from these mindsets, right? So resentment stirs up bitterness that looks for opportunities to punish others, right? And, and here's, the, here, here's the punishment that we see. Number one, cutting off people. I remember I had a family member who got ticked off at their cat. You want to know why? Their cat decided to use the, the, the front yard as their litter box. And because the cat used the, the, the front yard as the litter box, you know what they did? They loaded up the cat in their, in their truck. They drove about five miles down the road and said, out you go. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. But the cat came back. It, it, at the end of the day, it was okay. I know, I know. But that's the extremity. Like, how, how, many, how many of us do something like that? How many of us, like, when we get irritated with someone, we just cut them off? We feel like loading them up in a pickup truck and dropping them off somewhere. <laughs> right? Withholding, withholding love. Right? Sometimes, and that can come out in a silent treatment. Well... I'm just not going to love you today because you've ticked me off, <laughs> right? And so we withhold, we, we withhold love because we're resentful at what that person did or said or didn't do or didn't say. Or the opposite of silent treatment is saying things that intent, intentionally hurt other people, right? Resentment is a result of comparing ourselves against others. And we've got to recognize that, you know what? No matter what my brother over here does, and no matter what my sister over here does, no matter what they do, I still have a place at the table. Friends, the place at the table is based on your son, uh, your sonship with Jesus. It is not based on anything else other than your relationship with Jesus. It's not based on, it, are you as good as so-and-so? It's, it's, it's about your heart. Where are you at? Number three, we see that there's a voice of indifference. If I give in to condemnation, if, if I give in to performing, that then I, I, I have this kind of like uh, uh, just anger on the inside of me or resentment on the inside of me, then friends, I become indifferent so that I'm not moved by the things that I should be moved by. Do you know that Jesus, there's, there's three levels of compassion that we can see in scripture. One is sympathy, two is mercy, and three is what Jesus moved in, which was called supernatural compassion. Supernatural compassion actually opens up the way for the kingdom of God to be released through you being moved with compassion. Do you remember the story of the, of the, of the Good Samaritan? And you know, he was a Jew, he, he stopped for a Jewish man. He was the most unlikely person to stop for, the, for this guy. Do you know who was the two people who bypassed him up? It was the priest and the Levite. 
the people who represented the people of God, the people who were meant to do sacrifices on the altar for the people. So they served the people, but they didn't actually love the people. That's a problem. They, they became indifferent. Why? Because they became so self-absorbed. They were concerned about self that they didn't want to deal with the inconvenience of being unclean by touching a wounded man that they would rather ignore the problem and walk on the other side of the road. And if th- th- this, is, this is a real thing. If, if we're too focused, too self-focused, we will become indifferent. There was a guy who went on our, one of our last mission trips to Baja, and, and I had everyone go around and say, hey, you know, like, what are you ex- expecting on this trip and why did you come? And this guy was just, you know, uh, just a, a great man. And he just said, you know what? I'm tired of thinking about myself. I'm tired of thinking about myself. So I decided to come. And can I tell you, that man gave out of the fullness of his heart. I saw so much of the touch of God that came upon him and so many testimonies that came that he signed up for the next one. He, you know, and he's, he's like, I'm going on every single trip because I'm tired of thinking about myself. And how do you know that some of us, we get stuck in a rut because we're so busy thinking about ourselves. But we must allow ourselves to be inconvenienced by the things that are around us. Do you know Jesus, when he went to go to the cross, he had point A that he started at, point B was the destination of the cross, and he had many disruptions along the way, which that tells us that God will divinely orchestrate interruptions in your life to see, will you allow yourself to be moved with compassion to release the supernatural, or will you be indifferent? And God wants you to be a, he wants each of us to be a, be a people of compassion, that, 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 we, that we would be mercy minded, that we wouldn't just be self-absorbed. Jesus wants to move through us, friends, that we, we are to move out of being indifference. And, and I love basically the analogy of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is the Good Samaritan, friends. He stooped down to touch us, to heal us, to lift us up, to carry us on our journey, uh, to pay our debts. And he promises a return and a reward to those who do his will. So the question becomes, okay, how do I break free? Thanks for exposing uh, condemnation, right? Uh, Being indifferent, uh, having resentment or performance mindsets. Can anyone relate to that, by the way? Does anyone, does that bear witness with anyone at all? Okay, good. I wasn't sure if I was just doing my own altar call to myself. (laughs) All right, number one. To come back into a heart connection with Jesus. That's, that's where it starts. Some of these words that might just have prompted you or there's flashbacks or there's memories or certain things, just acknowledge. And I think we also need to repent for coming into agreement with religious spirits. We got to break agreement with those things. That's not the kingdom. That's not how God is. And then number two, yield to the Holy Spirit being spontaneous in your life. Yield to compassion. Yield to the Holy Spirit wants to flow through you. And number, number three, one of the most important things that I would say is that we would yield to living a life of joy. Living a life of joy. I love Pastor Michaela in, in San Marcos. She says it like this. She says, rule number two is, is have fun. <laughs> have fun. Don't be so serious. 
Don't be, don't, you know, I used to be, you, you know, like back in the day, I'd be so serious because I was so locked in performance that I didn't know how to relax. I didn't know how to laugh. I didn't know how to have fun. I know you find that hard to believe, but it was true. Right? I had to go through a process of learning that God is about fun. You know, I read in my Bible, how many of you are enjoying the one-year Bible? Right? I was reading in the Bible this morning in Leviticus 15. I love it. It's so interesting how God says, listen, folks, if you can't bring your offering into the house of God because you're so far away, do you know what I want you to do? I want you to, to buy some goods and have a party in my honor. I mean, come on now. That sounds pretty good. So God is saying, listen, if you can't give, give to me and have a party. Uh, Front row, God, that is, we should be excited about having a party. Anyone else excited about having a party? Right? I mean, come on. So we've got to loosen up. We, and, and I love, like, man, you know what? Sometimes we just got to do things to, 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 to laugh, to enjoy life, to, to, to do things, do silly, watch silly things. I'm known for being a meme master and sending memes everywhere and getting people to laugh. Why? It's important to have fun. It's important to not take yourself so seriously. It's important. Why don't you be committed to building an aroma of joy around your life? That when people get around you, they're like, man, I don't know what it is. Man, I just laughing. I, I can't stop. I can't stop laughing. I can't stop smiling. And if you're a little bit awkward, it's okay. It, I mean, we, we all have a little bit of awkwardness in us. Come on. I'm, I'm kind of proof of that. I mean, you know, come on. Right. But to enjoy your life, cause people to say, why are you so joyful? Because I don't have a religious spirit. <laughs> come on. Come on. If, 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 would you, would you stand to your feet tonight? Does this help anyone? Now, I'll say this. Maybe some of us in this room, step one to getting out of a religious mindset is you've got to come into a a relationship mindset with Jesus. So maybe some of you, you've come to church. This isn't your first time, or maybe it is your first time. But you've come to church, but you haven't come to a place of giving Jesus your whole heart. Your first access to freedom from religiosity comes by surrendering your life to Jesus. So with every eye closed in this place, if there's anyone here who says, yeah, I've been in a religious mindset, but I need to come into a relationship mindset. I want to give my life to Jesus fully and wholeheartedly. Would you raise your hand in this room? Come on, on three. One, two, and three. All over this room. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. All over this room. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I thank you. 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 I see that hand, sir. Thank you. All right, let's all pray together as a family. Say, Father, I come to you right now. I give you my whole heart. I turn from my ways. And I acknowledge you as my Father. Jesus, you are my Savior. Heaven is my home. And I command a demonic spirit of religiosity to go in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, would you say amen? Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more thing. How many of you can say that you you really can relate to one of those three that I mentioned? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I can... Right? Let's, 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 let's take care of it. You want to kick the, let's kick some religious demon butt right now. 
command it to go. You ready? Let's do this. On three, Father, I come to you right now and I repent for any agreement made with religious spirits. I renounce condemnation, resentment, and indifference in Jesus' name. I declare I am accepted, I am loved, and I yield my heart to your flow of compassion. I declare that I trust you, God. You are my Father, and right now I invite the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, to come and breathe afresh on me. I expect supernatural encounters with your presence and your power right now in Jesus' name. Come and touch my heart. Father, I thank you for this precious people, God. I thank you that you are touching hearts all over this room. You're releasing power to heal, power to restore right now in Jesus' name. And right now I speak to every religious spirit that has sought entrance into this family of God, and I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I command you to loose your hold off of these people right here and right now. I declare freedom, reign, in the hearts of the people of God right here, right now. Religious spirit, you go right now in Jesus' name. Come off of these people. Condemnation, I command you, come off of them in Jesus' name. Indifference, come off of them in Jesus' name. I command you, in the name of Jesus, resentment, loose your hold off of them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, would you just give God a big shout? Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.